Happy Friday and welcome to the Newsmax Daily for January 19th, 2024. It's the third Friday of the new year already, and I hope yours is going well. If you're in an area of the country that woke up to snow or is getting snow now, your Friday likely isn't going that great unless you work from home, but hey... At least it's Friday. Maybe you're going skiing this weekend, so that would be good. There is winter weather advisories and warnings in place today and for the weekend throughout the Midwest, some of the Plains states and the East Coast, not only making driving a hassle, but likely affecting air travel as well. A lot of snow already in the nation's capital and uh, the mess as far as travel, already starting to kick in. Today is National Popcorn Day. Get the popcorn ready. Americans love it, and we eat a lot of it at the movies and at sporting events and a lot of other places. Sporting events like football games or while watching football games, which tens of millions of Americans will be doing again this weekend, including the Baltimore Ravens-Houston Texans game. I mention this not only because I will be watching that game, but have you seen this story about NBC editing an interview with Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud, a devoted Christian who, after winning last week's game, said he gave all glory to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, then NBC posted it to its Sunday Night Football X account. The first line about thanking Jesus was edited out. I know in broadcast and on social media, it's crucial. Time is crucial in broadcasting and on social when you're posting video and things need to be edited, no doubt. But that does seem like a rather odd edit or intentional decision. And topping the headlines on this Friday, the Iran-backed Houthi rebels seem to be giving the United States the one-finger salute, and nobody seems to care. They are continuing to target ships in the Red Sea, including U.S. vessels, even as the U.S. continues to fire on them. President Biden made this comment before boarding Marine One. Are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes. Acknowledging that the recent strikes are not deterring the Houthi rebels. And then, while in North Carolina yesterday, Biden went out with the Tar Heel State's Democrat Governor, Roy Cooper. What's your order? I got the call home, black and white, vanilla ice cream, chocolate syrup. He's always getting the tough questions, this president. Him and Cooper went for milkshakes. Awesome. And let me confirm, that was not our White House correspondent, James Rosen, asking that question. This is former Deputy National Security Advisor KT McFarland on American Agenda. So far, the attacks against Americans, our allies, Israel, have all been done by Iran proxies, not coming from the Iranian territory, but coming from Yemen, coming from Gaza, coming from Lebanon, coming from Iraq, coming from Syria. But what happened in the last couple of days is Iran has started attacking uh, in the region. So Iran is attacking American forces in northern Iraq or American facilities in northern Iraq. Iran is attacking attacking Pakistan. Iran is flexing its muscles. Why? The point that you made. It's because the perception of the United States weakness, nobody's holding Iran accountable for anything, so they keep going. And the worry I have in all this is if we don't take out or respond in a serious way to the to the people who are trying to kill our people, you know, take out the missile launchers, do serious attacks on the Yemeni, uh, the Houthis in Yemen, et cetera, that what's going to happen is they're going to do one after another attack until they eventually kill Americans. And then we're in a war. 
Yeah, and that is a scary thought, KT, and I know you wrote an article explaining a lot about this here. Uh, I think there was a playbook Joe Biden had when he walked into office, and that was the foreign policy of former President Trump. There was stability in that region. He had bankrupted Iran with those oil sanctions. He really had things under control. He responded. He killed Soleimani. He degraded them down so far. They didn't have money or the ability to do things like this. All Joe Biden had to do was keep it going, and he won't. And now this is the result. Yeah, you know, President Biden came in, and it, it basically the rule, decision rule on policies around the world, whether it's economic policies at home or foreign policies, if Donald Trump was for it, I'm against it. And so let's undo it. And so you're right. We had peace in the Middle East. The Arabs and the Israelis were at the Abraham Accords. Iran was bankrupt. The terrorist movement, uh, Qassab Soleimani, was on his knees. The Iranians were not giving foreign money um, aid to their terrorist proxy groups around the region. And President Biden comes in and, you know, he does, he then takes the Houthis, for example. He takes them off the terrorist designation, no longer terrorists. They um, increase aid to the Palestinians, which we do went right to Hamas, directly into Hamas. And then all the other things, but particularly President Biden stopped enforcing the sanctions on Iran, gave Iran direct transfer of money, and then by, by President Biden's energy policy, drove the price of energy, oil, through the roof and enriched Iran. So of course you got an emboldened Iran. Former Deputy National Security Advisor KT McFarland on Newsmax. And have you heard anything from anybody about the two U.S. Navy SEALs that went missing in Yemen while responding to the Houthi attacks? Yes, Two U.S. Navy SEALs have been missing. Was the President of the United States asked about it? No. He was asked what flavor milkshake he got. Here's more from Greta Van Susteren. Two U.S. Navy SEALs have disappeared. A week ago on January 11th, the two sailors were part of a mission to seize weapons from an unflagged vessel off the coast of Somalia. The seizure happened in the international waters of the Arabian Sea, that's just south of the Red Sea, where for months Iran-backed Houthi rebels have been attacking commercial ships. The unflagged vessel was transporting weapons, parts from Iran to Houthi rebels in Yemen. It was nighttime when the group of Navy SEALs pulled up alongside the vessel and attempted to board it in very rough waters. According to reports, a wave knocked one U.S. Navy SEAL off the ladder and into the ocean. Another Navy SEAL then jumped into the ocean trying to rescue the SEAL who had just been swept from the ladder. For a week, Navy ships, helicopters, and drones have been looking for the two SEALs. And while that part of the ocean has warm waters around 75 degrees Fahrenheit, the length of time is making their survival less and less likely. In terms of the mission, the U.S. Navy confiscated the weapons on board the vessel and then sunk it. The unflagged vessel had 14 crew members on board, none of whom had paperwork. The commander of the U.S. Central Command, General Michael Eric Carrilla, said, quote, it is clear that Iran continues shipment of advanced lethal aid to the Houthis. This is yet another example of how Iran act actively sows instability throughout the region in direct violation of UN Security Resolution 2216 and international law, end of quote. Republican Montana Congressman and former U.S. Secretary of the Interior and retired commander for the U.S. Navy SEALs, Ryan Zinke, joins me. Nice to see you, sir. Good to be here. I'm sorry it's under these circumstances. Yeah, you know, it's like it's tough for all of us, you know, whenever we lose him in the military. Um, Navy SEALs, I mean, it's, it's special. I mean, it must, I mean, and, and the idea that, I mean, it, it's so predictable that one would jump in to try to save the other. Well, and, it, and it's protocol. And, and Greta, this is a very difficult mission. 
at sea, shipboarding uh, boats, you have the, the ship itself up and down, you have your smaller vessel up and down, you have a ladder at night. It's one of the most difficult military operations. And uh, occasionally the military operations do, are not successful. In this case, it, it costs the lives of SEALs, which brings to two things. You know, one is it's clear that Iran is supporting the Houthis, as well as they're supporting Hamas, as well as they're supporting Hezbollah. So Iran is the problem. And secondly, you know, if we would use our resources in this country, I can tell you, and bring to bear what America has in our energy, I can tell you we would pay a lot less attention uh, to the Red Sea and other people's problems with energy. We have the capacity, the resources, and look, when we do energy in this country, we do it cleaner, better, more efficiently. That's Montana Congressman and former U.S. Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke, also a former commander for the Navy SEALs with Greta Van Sestren, who's been to Ukraine and been to Israel in the past year covering both of the wars up close and personal. We face Ukraine, $160 billion in, and what's the plan? And, and where does it end? Then we have, of course, Israel on fire. We shift focus to the Pacific, where we're out of position. You now have a very pro-democracy Taiwan in conflict with China, and you have Venezuela. So we have four regional conflicts, either in progress or, or you know, being stirred about. The U.S. is only configured for one major regional conflict at one time and holding the other. And we know it, and they know it. So on foreign shores, uh, we're, in, we're in deep water in trouble. Domestically, we have no border, and Americans feel this. You know, Ukraine is on the TV, the SEALs and the Red Sea is on the TV, but everyone sees the border. You see it in Washington, D.C., you see it in Billings, Montana, and Kalispell, you see it across the country. America's in trouble, and Americans know it. And, and I mean, if you walk down the street, I mean, here in, in Washington, D.C., and see the suffering, I mean, of course, not, not to mention the crime here. In the, I mean, the country really does have a lot of problems. I mean, people get carjacked in this city in broad daylight, and this is the nation's capital. Well, that was uplifting, wasn't it? Greta Van Sestrid with Congressman Ryan Zinke. That is the reality of what is going on in the world, in our country, and in the Biden administration. The congressman laid it all out nice and concise in about a minute and a half. There are four regional conflicts overseas and one huge, huge problem at home. People all across the country are seeing the effects of the border debacle. That is exactly what I have been saying for well over a year now. It is and has no longer been a border state problem. It's the problem of the entire country. This is Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene in yesterday's House Oversight Committee hearing on U.S. immigration. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I serve on the Homeland Security Committee and we have been working very hard on an investigation into Secretary Mayorkas and his failures and willful, uh, willfulness to break our United States federal laws in regards to the border. Uh, just a few months ago, two of my own constituents, Jose and Isabel Lerma, were killed in a human smuggling pursuit. A 17-year-old illegal alien, likely working for the cartels, drove illegal aliens across the border, hit them head on. This lovely American couple from my district was killed on their way to visit family. 
Uh, we have Americans dying every single day, and all I hear from Democrats every time we talk about the border is they're worried about migrant rights, they are, claim they're concerned about children and women, and then they claim, in spite of all the evidence, in spite of the fact that over 10 million illegal aliens have crossed our border, in spite of the fact 1.9 million people Illegal aliens are in our country, gotaways. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. And in spite of the fact that over 300 Americans are dying every single day from fentanyl overdose, the numbers don't lie, but the Democrats do. Now, this is interesting to me. Sitting in here earlier, I was listening to the discussion on jobs. And that the whole reason claimed by my colleagues on the other side of the aisle is that they want to bring in as many illegal aliens as possible, give them amnesty, so they can fill jobs in America. And then they talked about that we have a population growth problem in the United States. They were talking about the real issue of it being the lowest population growth and why this is a problem. Well, I think we can all say that if maybe, perhaps, 63 million people weren't murdered in the womb, we wouldn't have a population growth problem, would we? That's not women's reproductive rights. That's called abortion. It's called murder. And that's led to, yeah, a population growth in America. But Democrats claim that we've got to replace Americans with illegal aliens to fill jobs. That's their solution. That's their solution. And take away jobs from Americans. That's their solution. The Biden administration is guilty of the largest human trafficking operation in history. This is human trafficking. I just traveled in airports across the country just the past few days. You know what I saw in our airports? Migrants, illegal aliens, all over in the airports. Do you know who's paying for them to travel? United States taxpayers paying for them to travel. We're so sick of this. Everybody's sick of it. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene in the House Oversight Committee hearing on immigration as they push for impeachment of DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The committee also announced yesterday that Hunter Biden has agreed, or Hunter Biden's attorney has agreed for him to appear before House Republicans for a private deposition next month after insisting on only testifying publicly. The House deposition is now set for February 28th. Eric Bowling spoke with committee chair Congressman James Comer. Chairman, I love you, brother. I, you, you and I are friends a long time. He already did enough to earn his, his contempt of Congress the first time. Right. I mm -hmm. think, may call me crazy, but seeing Hunter Biden in handcuffs escorted out of uh, the chamber the next time, would go a long way for credibility for you guys, sir. I'm just, I'm just speaking from my heart. That's all I know how to do. Well, uh, if I had the ability to do that, uh, that would uh, be a, a realistic possibility. But at the end of the day, uh, we can hold him in contempt, but Merrick Garland has to prosecute him. Well, like well, Merrick sir, Garland, sir, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Chairman, uh, I, I, again, help me because I may uh, not understand the process. I was under the impression, and you know, speaking to you and, and, and MTG, I was under the impression that once you get the vote to hold him in contempt, whether or not uh, Merrick Garland arrests him outside, but if he ever steps foot on Capitol 
on the Capitol, Capitol Police or, or Sergeant at Arms could have. Like you could have arrested him when he played that game with his with his documentary that he used you guys for content for his documentary. If he tried it again, cuff him, get him out. I, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. Well, I asked Jason Chaffetz about that. He's my one of my predecessors as chairman of the committee. He's a, he's a very uh, thorough in his history of the oversight committee. And that was a Civil War era thing that happened once. Uh, you know, you have to remember Hunter Biden was surrounded by Secret Service. That's how I kind of knew Hunter Biden was fixing to show up. The Secret Service were swarming our committee room. We never had Secret Service in this committee room. So, you know, who, who has precedence, the Secret Service or, or a, a Capitol Police officer? But at the end of the day, I want Hunter Biden to come in and answer these questions. We won the battle because Hunter Biden doesn't want to come in. There's no good answer for these questions. But, so can, and for but, our but, but, but if he comes in, complete, sir, if he comes in, sir, and, and take, pleads a fifth 150 times... Yeah. Who wins? Well, then th I think we win. I think the American people see that this is a shady influence peddling scheme. The president of the United States was a central figure in it. Sir, respectfully, no respectfully, chairman, if he comes in, you don't hold him in contempt. He's able to waltz in the way he waltzed in all cocky and arrogant with his buddies on the side. Yeah, there was Secret Service, but those two guys weren't Secret Service flanking him. He does it again. He's got the cameras rolling. He goes in and pleads the fifth 100 times. I can't say you won. I, I, listen, I want you to win. I want you to win. I want the American people to win. That guy is as corrupt and criminal as they come. We all want to see him accountable. Great stuff from Eric Bowling, host of The Balance, weeknights at 8 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. Speaking for the people, right? I mean, those are the questions we all have. I told you yesterday that Donald Trump and Nikki Haley both would not be campaigning in New Hampshire or anywhere else. Haley was going to visit her father. Trump was going to his mother-in-law's funeral in Florida. He also could not go to the civil trial in New York. We go to last night's edition of Greg Kelly Reports. Donald Trump was not at the trial today. He wanted to be, but he couldn't because, well, he had to be by his wife's side for his mother's his mother-in-law's funeral. Melania's mother died. And uh, you can't not go to your wife's mother's funeral, right? Do you know what the judge said? This came up as an issue. Can we take the day off? The judge said, you can go to the funeral or you can go to the trial, but you can't do both. Now, a lot of the smart set right away were saying, well, Donald Trump doesn't have to be there. He has lawyers. It's funny because in the first part of the trial, uh, back in May, they were all giving him a hard time because he did not go to the trial. He just sent his lawyers, and they thought that was very arrogant and uh, a big mistake. Donald Trump was not here. He didn't appear for any part of the trial, and he didn't testify. They called him a no-show. Trump did not come here, did not look them in the eye and deny these claims. He didn't make an appearance personally. He did not testify in open court in front of a jury period. He did not. Mr. Trump chose not to attend the civil trial, wasn't in the courtroom when the verdict was read. A no-show, and that was somehow disrespectful to the system, to the jury. If only he had been there to make his case in person. And now, during the penalty phase, he wants to be there in person. And the same sophisticates, the elite media, right, saying, oh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have to be there. 
Trump voluntarily attends legal proceedings that he does not have to be present for, then refuses to follow the rules, spars with a judge. He doesn't need to be there. It certainly doesn't help him legally. The judge there threatening to kick Trump out of court for commenting during testimony, testimony that Trump is attending voluntarily, yeah. uh, but a very dramatic day there in court. All right. So for all of them, Trump, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. How about that, huh? It doesn't matter. We're seeing amazing things, amazing things right before our eyes. They're trying to take him out, but he's just getting stronger. And look at this. We're all seeing it. We can all see Monday night. He wins the Iowa caucus by record margin. No one has ever done that. 30 points. It's never been done before. All right. The following morning, Tuesday morning, he's in that New York City courtroom. That night, he's in New Hampshire giving a great speech. Wednesday morning, it's back in court. And then Wednesday night, it's back to New Hampshire. Could Joe Biden hack any of this? No, he can't. We all know that, all right? We're seeing it every day. Look at Joe Biden's past couple of uh, days and weeks. Left for Camp David, vacation at Camp David, return from Camp David, go to the Virgin Islands, come home for the Virgin Islands. <laughs> it goes on like this, on and on and on. Uh, nothing on January 3rd, nothing. Angry speech, time off, time off in Delaware. Another angry speech, nothing, 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 nothing. So even as they try to take them out. It's just blowing up in their face, isn't it? This big plan, it's not working. Greg Kelly is the host of Greg Kelly Reports, weeknights, 9 o'clock Eastern, right after the balance with Eric Bowling. And Donald Trump's election interference case in Georgia is becoming more like an episode of Housewives of Atlanta. The prosecutor in the case, Fannie Willis, who already said the allegations of her having a romantic affair with the prosecutor in the case, is because she's a woman of color and is now accusing her secret lover's wife of interfering in Trump's case. I mean, it's so cliche to say now, but you can't make this stuff up. A court motion reviewed by the Daily Caller says Jocelyn Wade, the wife of Prosecutor Nathan Wade, is using the legal process to harass and embarrass attorney Fannie Willis and in doing so is obstructing and interfering with an ongoing criminal prosecution, the motion said. That criminal prosecution would be the one against the former president. Meanwhile, all three GOP presidential candidates will be hosting events in New Hampshire tonight and this weekend ahead of next week's Tuesday primary. Carl Higby spoke about it with former Trump advisor Kimberly Guilfoyle. This is our moment to end the corruption and voters have woken up to it. Donald Trump, as you know, won Iowa with a historic margin. I was there. I yeah. saw the energy, the enthusiasm, a minus 12. They all showed up. Every caucus site we went to to whip votes for him was packed. The message is clear. The yeah. voters want Donald Trump back. Not Nikki Haley, not DeSantis. Yeah. No need for Trump imposters to apply. OK, there is no Donald Trump policies without Donald Trump. And oh, I correct. Get this done. And, and Mitt Romney today, he came out and he was like, hey, look, all these misguided people who are still voting for Trump. What do you say to Mittens? N mittens. <laughs> 
That never gets old. It's just absolutely ridiculous. He's so irrelevant. No one cares what he thinks or what he has to say anymore. He is somebody that is only dealing with his ego and his grievances about not feeling great about himself because no one likes him. He's not a true America first you know, patriot. Mm -hmm. He's a never Trumper and he is an establishment guy that's time has long come and gone. And this is the new America first patriot infused movement that is unstoppable with Donald Trump at the head of it. And I, it's going to be, you know, a reckoning the likes of which they have never seen. And it's going to start again now in New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina and Michigan and one by one. And hopefully by Super Tuesday, this is a wrap because this primary is really over. OK, yeah. uh, it's over. Yeah, it's well, done it's already. And you have these two selfish freaks saying in for no reason. And then Nikki Haley, obviously very confused, okay, bad at math, okay, disqualifier right there <laughs> by saying that this is, you know, oh, well, this is a two-way race. I'm like, hey, newsflash, Chicky, you came in third place. I know. It's over. A fired up Kimberly Guilfoyle on Frontline with Carl Higby. And I mentioned this yesterday. New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who is also U.S. House GOP chair, will be campaigning with the former president in New Hampshire tonight. And tomorrow she will speak at Trump's headquarters in Manchester. Stefanik is also rumored to be on Trump's short list of potential vice presidential picks, as is South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem and Arizona Senate candidate Carrie Lake. Tony, where are you getting this from? These are the names that have been rumored, but rumored from people in the know. Carl Higby mentioned Mitt Romney, right? My guess would be that former presidential candidate Chris Christie will run for president again in 2028. But would it be as a Republican or a Democrat? is the question that's starting to come to light now. Reports started to surface yesterday that Christie is considering backing Joe Biden in the current race as he implores the GOP to reject Donald Trump as the Republican nominee. Meanwhile, President Biden is hosting some of the country's mayors at the White House today, some of the mayors who are attending the mayor's winter meetings in D.C. before he and the First Lady take off to their Delaware Beach House mansion for the weekend snowstorm. And did you happen to see this? National Geographic. I just wanted to squeeze this in. It's, it's kind of sad. The well-respected publication National Geographic, which has been around for more than a century, has laid off all of its remaining staff writers, editors, and even their podcast team. It turns out the magazine is owned by Disney, and they say the layoffs were all part of the earlier announced Disney layoffs across multiple properties. This is big, though. This is essentially the end of National Geographic as we know it. All right, stay up to date on all the news today and all weekend long on Newsmax. And you know, on a Friday going into the weekend, there's likely to be a lot of new news. Newsmax is available on most major cable systems like AT&T, Comcast, Xfinity, Mediacom, Spectrum, Suddenlink. And have you checked out the new Newsmax Plus yet? Go to NewsmaxPlus.com, get signed up for your free trial. That is NewsmaxPlus.com. It includes all of your favorite shows, hosts, and great guests, documentaries, and more. NewsmaxPlus.com. I'm Tony Marino. Thank you for listening to the Newsmax Daily. I appreciate that. It feels weird going into the weekend for the first time in, what, 18 weeks and not saying, Go Dolphins! But enjoy your weekend. Have a great weekend and keep on fighting the good fight.
News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.